Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and on cool, weird projects with dead media and new NFT things and wow, what's going on? Uh, I should have thought of that before. We are super excited to bring David Rudnick on the podcast. I'll confess, David, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know a whole lot about you. The first thing that I saw is this project that we have brought you on to talk about. So, so I, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit behind the curve on that. Can you just, inter- for, for the audience, can you just introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'd be happy to. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. I'm David, David Rudnick. I'm a graphic designer from the UK originally, based in Ghent in Belgium, where I have my studio, Terrain. And I guess to give a bit of a background or introduction, if Tombs is the first thing that you're seeing yeah. from me. Yeah, yeah. I took a, a unusual path into graphic design. I went to college and studied history of art and founded a music magazine when I was in college uh, with a couple of mates. I love music, electronic music, dance music, underground music. And I ended up in a situation where some of the people who were reading the magazine, it was a college magazine as well. So, you know, we're talking something really, really piddly and small. But some <laughs> of the artists we would reach out to yeah. and ask to interview, they'd be like, oh, who does your graphic design kind of yeah. thing? Um, yeah. And uh, I ended up doing working on record covers and and gig flyers and and identities for club nights and I was completely self-taught like I just like kind of got into this stuff because I I love music and kind of felt like I wanted to help just you know make the magazine and make it kind of feel like a cultural space that uh, would would connect with its audience and I think because of my background in art history and because of my self-taught approach I ended up developing a kind of graphic style and a relationship to kind of what contemporary aesthetics looked like which was slightly unusual and and kind of a little bit um, esoteric I the period I studied in my art history studies was the printmaking and altarpiece painting of the late 15th century in the Northern Renaissance. Oh so, my God, that's so specific, so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So, so so kind of like Albrecht Dürer and people like Lucas Cranach and Matthias Grunewald or Hans Miemling, these Northern Renaissance painters. And I had the privilege of studying when I was an undergrad and studying this stuff under an incredible mind-blowing teacher called Christopher Woods who had a very unusual perspective on on what technology was, what art was, mm. how aesthetics interface with those things mm-hmm. and I think that the that bizarre combination of 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 kind of um how I came into making visual work and what I thought I was doing when I was making visual work and what its relationship to culture and technology might be meant that I ended up with this practice where more and more I felt like I was doing graphic design but I wasn't really couldn't really relate to any of the ways that the graphic design industry or uh, (laughs) branding or advertising worked and I ended up founding this studio uh, Terrain which founded about five years ago but it kind of was the logical extension of where my practice was going and basically what Terrain does is we try and work on visual systems that we think can have the longest possible footprint of utility or use in in any context and we're kind of interested in that as a general approach to any anything that we do so we tend to work on two things in my studio and we keep a really low profile we have a very opaque website the website is terra.in and there's nothing on it Um, you may have found it when you were trying to figure out who i was and like what's just like i want to say just like your instagram my instagram is also like similarly similarly uh shrouded in mystery but we we kind of end up working on on two areas of of production that i think sit outside of the general area in which graphic design normally operates the first is that's my instagram (laughs) the first is that we we work again like with this idea of trying to think about things which have a long footprint of use yeah Uh, we love to work with original cultural material, original writing, original music, 
with filmmakers or with artists on bodies of work that are trying to put down kind of like a set of language, image, symbols, media, that if people engage with them, they might listen to them for years, decades, the rest of their lives, and that they can go far and wide. And the idea of building a visual system for those things, like a record or an album or a movie or, or a book, is, is really interesting to us. And the obvious thing to say, and I think, Jonathan, you probably talk about this a lot on your podcast and you, you focus on it a lot in your practice, the existing infrastructure for how those things are monetized is extremely right. broken. And right. so that area of cultural production, there's no surplus capital for like commissioning interesting, deep visual systems. So we approach that from the point of view of the studio as the thing that we're seeking in that project is the cultural utility, not a paycheck. Uh, mm. we, mm -hmm. we take the, we'll take the base fee of like kind of what a record label or musician can offer if we're interested in working something, but we're only prioritizing working on bodies of work that we think are super, super interesting mm -hmm. and building really interesting visual systems for them. That's and cool. then obviously then you can't run a studio on the back of that and you know so other other design studios they're like oh we don't want to do that shit we only want to work with drake like you you end up in this situation ridiculous situation where the only way you can kind of fund a contemporary operation if, if working with cultural uh, capital is you have to work at the extreme ridiculous tip of the iceberg right right you've got to do lady gaga's album or you've got to do like a massive 200 million dollar netflix production if you're if you want to turn that into something which is like a cash flow for a studio and the obvious thing to say is that those properties come with the biggest level of artistic compromise and you know no no way to work with them so in order to fund the studio or in order to have like a model which is self-replenishing we do two things firstly the studio has a really small footprint of operations it's me and two other designers so we keep our overhead super low and we try and use a lot of unusual techniques in order to keep our productivity super high and the things that we're able to build are um, we, we like to think we can go and compete with studios 10x our size and so that gives us a real budget advantage and the other thing we try and do is we try and build original systems that we have a stake and a operational position within that can exist as long life products and Zoom Series is a really unusual example of that because there is no partner. That's the first one we've ever published where we built that and conceived of that inside the studio. But that's that's the way that we work. We're quite an unusual studio and it's an unusual practice. So I hope that gives a little bit of grounding. To yeah, me. for sure. So the context, yeah. And then and then how and then where in that where in that timeline do NFTs come in for you? When what was your first introduction and like where where does that enter the picture? The odd thing is that I I kind of entered into this period in my life after I graduated from college. I graduated in 2009 as an undergrad and I spent like five years after graduating really not knowing what I was going to do and really being kind of like struggling to figure it so out. So you had this, you had this like art history degree and you're like, what do I do now? I was doing graphic design for music okay. and, I was, yeah. and I was dating someone who was a fine artist and okay. I kind of, I think the general Had expectation of my yeah. career was that I was going to do art of some sort, sure. not be a, like someone who did gig flyers or something. Right. And it was, it was that my girlfriend was not impressed with the idea that I was going to go and just be, you know, some dude who was going to make gig flyers or something. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I didn't really know like how I would find things. And it, honestly, it was an interesting point where like that, that relationship didn't last, but, <laughs> um, but I reached a point where there was this kind of really bizarre moment where I had spent so long running from being a graphic designer. Yeah. And I, and I realized this is actually what you do. This is what you love, but this is also the space where you actually interface with culture that you, that you care about. And if, you're going to keep doing it. You just need to think a bit more carefully, maybe about how you can do this in a way that you're happy with, comfortable with, and, and, and kind of feel like it has meaning to you. And so one of the things that was on my mind then, a big amount, like kind of like early days of the 2010s, 2011, 2012, mm -hmm. was I was extremely dissatisfied with the paradigms that were emerging in, in what we now call Web2. Yeah. But, but that I felt that 
culture was being squeezed through a a really terrible set of of kind of like Faustian bargains that was leading artists and uh, but even just individuals in how we represented each other online how we talked to each other what the social feed did to visual work it's kind of why I don't have an Instagram in a way because it was also like mm-hmm. I'm not going to post my work in that space mm-hmm. you know kind mm-hmm. of I, mm-hmm. I was extremely skeptical about about these things and I, I I also didn't like the way in which when you become used to a feed or a kind of paradigm you naturally make the content that fits that paradigm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know because you learn like it's fine you can choose not to but then you don't get notes you don't get reblogs you don't get retweets so like so you you kind of choose to fail if you don't (laughs) fit the paradigm right Mm -hmm. and and this felt also like a really like horrible pressure and and i happened to have at the time some friends who were drawn from a very esoteric variety of scenes some of them very radical in their politics some of them kind of very early engineers of, 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 of the blockchain and people who would be adjacent to some of the first, like Ethereum core devs. And they were also looking, I think, for spaces outside of culture for a number of reasons. And I think while I was developing this perspective personally of like, okay, I'm going to try and build cultural systems that can have a long lifespan of use. I became very, very aware of and interested in the idea of what does resilient culture look like? What does culture that can survive political change look like? What do systems that can support the communities that have to use them look like? And being not a booster or an early adopter by any sense, but 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 feeling that work on chain, even at this really early stage, was going to become a potentially an important space where new norms or new fundamentals might be manifest and starting also to think from a less positive perspective about the the this kind of coming tsunami or or kind of uh, unavoidable future for all of us that more and more of our lives were going to be dominated by whatever the paradigms were that emerged in digital space than the kind of scenes or communities that we were familiar with as artists, as musicians, as, you know, like kind of the 20th century was really over and that those models weren't going to continue and that starting to feel more and more in my practice that like dealing with obsolescence, with with formats, with uh, with fundamentals of data systems and how they exist over time was 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 the space in which I increasingly felt was the terrain in which I worked. And actually that's where the name of my studio comes from. <laughs> uh, because it is about this idea of like what is the fundamental of culture? Like what like like we make things, but where are they? Like what where do they exist? What how do we access them? And how do we make that value accessible to more people? I mean, that, all of that, and it seems almost to me, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm hearing the story through the lens of learning about Tomb and stuff, but it seems like every, it seems like so much of that story is converging or has converged, both in the Tomb series sort of as a visual work, because that has its own kind of thing, and then also the tomb series as this new this new paradigm for how we're going to maybe contain and share work uh, on the blockchain. Can you start then with tomb describing what it is visually and how that came about? So the tomb series is a is a series at its heart of 177 drawings uh, which were digital drawings which were done by me on the trackpad of my 2012 MacBook Pro. Uh, I of- I I saw that, and so when you see when you see these drawings, I guess you would call them. When you see these 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 draw, like that's inc- that's crazy, man. That's that's nuts. By the way, anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, the the weird thing about my practice, they're drawings of of what look like data discs, mini discs. Another thing that's really interesting to me and is a yeah. big part of the project. Oh, Matt has the the index with him there, uh, uh, which I'll talk <laughs> about in a second. Yeah. But what's really like uh, like at the obvious heart of the project is the fact that if you're of a certain age, you see that 
you see that thing and it's it's something you recognize it's nostalgic right nostalgic it's like, yeah i remember that object i actually saw someone criticize the project the other day by saying like it's retro fetishist that you know like it's just like it's just playing off the the nostalgia for the thing but the obvious thing to say is that there is a massive part of the audience for tomb series and who formed the audience of web3 who don't know what that thing is and they're like it's a cd it's like a it's like a um, <laughs> a hard drive is it a, yeah, yeah like like yeah, yeah. it's it's this thing like and it's become like because i first drew what i call a tomb now a while ago i drew it in 2016 for my thesis because because of what we've just been talking about when i i went back to grad school and did a graphic design mfa and i graduated in 2016 in part because of what we just talked about where i was like ah oh, shit i am sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to <laughs> curse on the no part. no please uh, free, yeah. um i'm self I'm self-taught. I've got this totally esoteric relationship to all this stuff and I care about it and I want to talk to other people about it. And I feel like if I don't go and learn what they're learning, just to even understand what mm. they're talking about, mm. I wouldn't even understand like why all these things which seem so relevant to me and are like, this is, these are the problems of our time. This is the like, so none of design seems to be caring about talking about this, like, like the blockchain and data storage and all these things were just like, they were very esoteric things, even 2016. So my thesis is kind of punctuated by these drawings that I made of blank storage media, an image of a mini disc, uh, an image of a blank poster, an image of a, of a mobile phone not turned on, things like that. Trying to map this jargon that we have in our lives of these formats through which culture is shared yeah. and trying to understand what the fundamentals of those were but the mini disc was really the one which when i drew it it was like I, i'm really grateful that you think like kind of it's 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 well drawn i felt like i knew when i was drawing it that i'd hit upon something where i was like i could draw this forever because i was like everything i'm interested in comes together in this object the the like the optical reflections of light and color on the disc the like the, the physicality of the plastic the the clip which becomes this space where it could be a space for drawing a space for expression and i was like this format like touches on in so many ways that are like so directly visually interesting to me but also so so poetic and 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 full of possibility and i i tweeted about it in 2018 after my thesis i was like you know i haven't really i I never showed anyone my thesis. I haven't really done anything with them. I've got these 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 drawings of mini discs I made, and I, I just I want to make a series of them. I feel like I could kind of draw them forever. And that that tweet went like semi-viral. Mm -hmm. But that it's funny that like after that, then a lot of people started ripping off the, the 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 image of the what is now a tomb by like photoshopping it into their album art or like oh. using it as a base for stuff. Oh. And it became like a default template for making a cool mini disc online. I mean, well, uh, there, you, there, you did, you did the work of the meme. Uh, you know, the the that's what you want, right? You want those, yeah. That's what you want, and then it's also like it's so obvious yeah. that, like, in Web two, you're yeah. like, yeah. it doesn't work. It sucks, right? right? It's right. like it's like none of that becomes. There's, it's like total it entropy. It, right, it, it doesn't, doesn't come back anywhere. to you in any way. It yeah. doesn't come back to me, but like I'm not even talking about in terms of, of no, like, oh, I want, no. I, I want money, use no, my money. It's, no, but it's, nobody it's, knows. Nobody, no, no, you just, you at least want some like, some like a little bit of credit would be nice, you know, just like. Credit would be nice, but also like if someone does something cool with it, yeah. it's like, hey, like that that should go somewhere, right? Yes, like, yes, like, and it doesn't. Yes. And, it, and so when we got around to, I'd been making work that was kind of about data storage and about the blockchain for a long time. And I hadn't put any work on chain. I'm not a solidity level programmer. I'm not a programmer at all. It's really not an area which I am capable of directly interfacing with. And so <laughs> Matt, for, for, for those that can't see, Matt is holding up. <laughs> and by the way, we didn't plan this. I didn't so, know that Matt had the book. I didn't know that. I'm, big, I'm a big fan of a lot of your projects. <laughs> um, and I didn't and, even know this. I didn't even know yeah, this. Yeah, you organized this all without me. So I've got the, the Tomb Index here, the physical book, also just incredible object. Um, and I just found the, the replica tomb, the one with the rose on the clip. And that ties back to some questions and stuff that I wanted to learn about the rose and the history and the derivatives. And maybe that connects to the conversation we were just having about mm -hmm. how things expand, but then sort of come back to you. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I just saw it and I was like, I had to show it so to the I, camera. I presume, <laughs> I presume I presume it's going to be an audio podcast, right? They yeah, won't it see it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Won't see no, it. no yeah. video. So, yeah. so Matt is holding up one of the pages from the Tomb Index, which is the book, the kind of master catalog of the Tomb series. It contains all of the 177 tombs. It's printed in a unique six color process that we invented in the studio for the book. So the, <laughs> the images are... Um, wow. Yeah, I, I could talk about that a bit more at some point. In the, uh, but um, it's a gorgeous object. It's it's a really really nice object. And uh, the tomb that Matt was holding up was tomb. Uh, I think one hundred and thirty. I can't, I can't remember the yeah C L I I. I'll scroll through and find it again. But it's a tomb called Replica, and Replica contains on its clip the kind of glass overlay uh, that's uh, kind of above the disc this kind of phantom image this like like fake screen print of another work of mine uh, uh this this rose which was the first first work i minted on chain through Zora. i thought so okay cool yeah so that work is called stem a good musical term for you guys uh, you but go. also <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. But also like stem very much as to take both meanings of that word, uh, a, um, an, a, a support structure for a flower, for something that might bloom, but also in the, the mechanical component, uh, a, a fraction of something that might later be assembled into a whole. And I think from the beginnings of my work on chain, I have always been interested in the way in which by putting cultural objects, by putting images, by putting symbols into a format where they can be open source and publicly accessible, but still trace back to a point of origin, they might also be able to be constructively reassembled. You're almost like putting tools into public space that you might use later as well for other things. And that because this is connected on chain, you're doing that non-destructively. You're showing the iterative value of the work. So there is definitely one of the most gratifying things about making bodies of work on chain for me has been this sense that I can do this in a way that doesn't feel like it's too esoteric, self-referential, like kind of, you know, self-aggrandizing, but instead showing the the way that culture makes culture, showing the, the genesis of works and adding mm, meaning mm-hmm. to meaning for the viewer. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah. And I love the derivatives of the rose in like Web3 culture as well, right? There was the... It was in Blitmaps as well, and was, um, yeah. I've seen it in other places as well. I think some like Dali or uh, generative pieces have like referenced it. John Palmer did a series of yes. drawings of the stems. So like totally. as soon as I would publish a stem, he would draw it in MS Paint, and he would publish those as uh, well. Yes, it Dom. was the MS Paint yeah, rose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dom, Dom made a series of roses, like kind of again, like kind of corrupted roses, and so in yes. a weird way, you could say that like for Dom there's a link to Blitmap and there's also a link to Corruptions because he was kind of doing these roses that looked like they were going one step further than yes. mine and almost falling apart, like kind of like disassembling into data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that like, I mean, Dom's an amazing artist, one of the collaborators on the Ronin House and the Tomb series. So uh, oh. there are two tombs in the book that, sorry, this for your, for your listeners, I should explain this. There are eight houses in the Tomb series. The, the works that released over the weekend are the 36 tombs in House Shadow. Each house is basically, it it consists of tombs, but they all will release uh, as an almost an individual body of work themselves. And they'll have different release mechanics. It allows us to put them out on different contracts. They can interact with one another. There's there's kind of, there's a lot of bandwidth for ideas that will be explored in the project. And to be mm, fair, mm-hmm. I, I won't talk too much about those in this call because I think it's like, it's you know, it will just, just take us down a rabbit hole. Sure. Those of you who've got the book though, that can see that there's there's lots to, uh, to discover about those things. But the project will probably continue to roll out realistically for at least another year, maybe the rest of 2023 in terms of, these houses all have their own stories to tell and I'm not in a rush to reach the point where all of the 177 tombs are on chain. It's it's not like a front front loaded mint project where I had to just we have to mint and we have to sell out in order to have a floor or something. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. not about that. Uh, so so the Ronin house, which Dom is in, there's 16 tombs in Ronin. And the way that Ronin tombs work is every Ronin tomb is made with a collaborator. 
someone who was already working on chain or who had influenced my work or my work had maybe influenced them, uh, that we had like some sort of creative dialogue. And I reached out to them and said, I'm going to do this project. I showed them what tombs were. And I was basically like, dream a tomb for me. Tell me a tomb you want mm. to see exist. Tell me its name and I'll try draw it. You know, I'll try, I'll make one. And then I'm going to basically give you those tombs. And all I want you to do is deploy them to the blockchain as like stowaways, smugglers inside a contract you would otherwise be publishing. Oh, yeah. So the Ronin, for example, Ezra Miller's Ronin is in the master contract of Silk Road. It's like like Silk no Road way. pushes Silk Road and it also pushes his Ronin. So his Ronin solution was deployed as part of Silk Road. That's so sick. Luke Miles, Worm Emoji, his Ronin Equinox uh-huh. was, was pushed as part of the master index contract for Tomb Series, which Luke wrote. Like it, it stowed away in that. And so they're on chain, but there's no centralized contract for the Ronin. They're all in like far they're parts like- of the on chain galaxy. It's like going to like a deep, deep, deep planet at the back end of the galaxy and th- there's a Jedi living there or something. There's a tomb <laughs> in that contract. Like there's something, there's, they're, but they're, they're dispersed. And, um, I think that now we've introduced the recovery mechanic, which we're going to probably talk about later, the the Ronin become potentially really exciting because some of these Ronin are being deployed inside the kind of like culture worlds of other people's work. And so they then can take the function that exists for them in this project and add that as well to another culture space. There are two Ronin for Dom. So I'm not going to say any more about where they might turn up, but like Dom <laughs> is building a massive, like yeah. kind of uh, yeah. interwoven on-chain verse and that's somewhere in that verse, maybe two tombs and those tombs may have function and they may have law of their own in there. But like the whole point is as well that, and this is the way that the project works. I'm far more interested in what they do with them. And I'm not going to tell them what to do with them. So the mm-hmm. Ronin will deploy kind of, some of them are like surprises to me when they show up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, which must be thrilling i mean that's that's what an exciting yeah it's it's again this this idea of of culture that feels actually decentralized like feels like i've built some tools but i'm watching other people fork my tools in real time it's really that's again as someone who sees himself as a designer rather than using the capital a word artist I, right. I feel so gratified by the way in which if I can build something that's a platform for someone else to create, someone mm-hmm. else to express, it's, right. it's, that's so much more thrilling to me than someone turning around and being like, oh, this is art, man. I just want to collect it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful like that someone a, would think that. But. Yeah, it feels like they're almost, it's almost like this change in pers- perspective of instead of like this sort of object subject perception, it's like as a creator, you're more co-creating with the culture, with all of these people who are interacting. And it's this rather one process that's occurring over time, um, rather than a sort of give and take duality model. I don't know. That's just the thought that I had. And, and, and the thing that I, the thing that I hear in that from what I've heard you talk about is, is the sort of current paradigm of, of an NFT project from board apes all the way up to nouns, right? Of, of like, here's a thing. Well, anyway, you describe you. You can probably describe it way better than I can. Like, what is the thing that is broke that for you feels broken at the heart of all of these NFT projects that you are trying to like introduce a new mechanic to? I think I just think that offering people an IP which they can basically buy a token which allows them to have access to and use. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with that, but it's also important that we recognize the limitations of that, where all you can really do is is kind of create expressions that sit within an existing franchise visual property. So you can you can do something that's it's it's convenient for the owners of the project, right? They're like you're essentially getting crowdsourced advertising or you're getting people to make make content for you. And the the economic proposition, which isn't false is that if you have invested in that property, then you're adding franchise value. So if someone launches a board ape TV show and you own an ape, you should be happy because it's like you, your franchise has increased in value. But this is a kind of quite remorselessly horrible, like monocultural way to to view what the future of, of our participation in Web3 might be, that you just essentially 
invest in 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 like kind of predatory visual ecosystems that are just out to like claim more mindshare and claim more space. And I think what a lot of us dreamed about and what makes me smile on Web3 and makes me kind of like like feel great is is watching individual people bring their voice to the table, their ideas, their own projects. You know, John, with you minting like a song a day. It's 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 just like this is this is I think what a lot of us hoped culture might be in a in a cultural economy where creators actually have a platform to both express and protect the rights to their work. And similarly the obvious thing, like the, the reason why we get swallowed up by the board eight model is that you can only accrue so much kind of collective agency as an individual before you either become like a dominant influencer who's then taking away mind share from other people, or you're just like a totally esoteric, like folk musician with an audience of 10 people, which might be gratifying, but it also means that like your ability to to, to, to broadcast or reach a, a wider cultural net is severely hamstrung by, by the way that you work. So the thing which felt like it was an important thing to build, which I kind of had hoped would be a day one fundamental of the space, but wasn't, but which, you know, we, when I was thinking of, you know, I did the stems back in February, 2020, 21, sorry. So, you know, 18 months ago, my first works on chain, individual works, these flowers, and a lot of people were like, oh, you should do like, like a whole series like 10, of 10,000 10, 10, of them. 10, yeah, yeah. 10,000 yeah. flowers, right? Yeah. And I was, yeah. and I was just like, <laughs> and I was just like, I need a better answer for why I'm going to say no to that. Like I, I, in my head, I was just like, oh, that doesn't feel right. Like, like I could have probably, you know, like easily rigged up a generative algorithm to generate flowers and, and kind of then minted them out. But I was like, but there was something about that which felt like really sad to me that it was just like what would I really be giving people mm -hmm. like then they would just have collected a flower a work that I made and and that everything points back to me like, I get I, like mm -hmm. they're alone as like a flower holder and I get all this <laughs> capital from them and 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 then you get this dynamic which exists in these other projects where people are just like I hope the floor goes up like like <laughs> I, I hope like now the thing that I bought becomes more valuable because there's nothing else I can really do with it and and I was just like no I loved John Palmer doing derivatives of the stems. I loved Dom doing derivatives of the stems. People were like, are, are you pissed? Are you pissed at people who right click saving and they're putting it as their background picture? I'm like, no, that's kind of like what culture should do. But what I realized was there wasn't any useful mechanic in place to help really platform that second layer. And I don't mean derivative works. The way that I like to talk about it, because people keep using this word, but what they're really talking about there when they say derivative works are things that are less than the original IP, like, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. which is not what I think culture should encourage. I try and introduce this phrase a bit when I talk, because it's like, we don't hear it a lot in the way that people analyze network capitalism is like, what's the secondary order affect? What's the tertiary order affect of the work? Mm -hmm. Like you make the work, and the primary order affect is always people see it, maybe they buy it. But what does them seeing it and buying it enable? And what does what that enables enable kind of thing? And how do you make those things? How do you design around them? And so the next thing I did on chain was I did two projects. I did like four stems and I, I was like, I'm not going to keep doing flowers right now because I was just like, and I love them. And I actually think I might return to them at one point but from a different perspective. But I put two projects on chain after that. One of them was Exodus 2, which I published with Folia, which is a series of poems about the blockchain that I wrote in 2010 and 2011. So and sick. There's, there's 19 of them, and they're, they're, they're really bizarre poems. They're pangram haikus. So they're haikus that contain every letter of the alphabet. And Love it. Me, it feels like an amulet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like such amulet, a perfect... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Form. It's like it's such a strict. Yeah. Uh, they they were absolutely me trying to write about the blockchain and about a world of code and a world where a hyper compressed world where the real was the data on chain and everything else was like like less valuable now because like it's all going to come back to like what's on the block kind of thing and to think about a kind of representation of what that might look like as a as a, a kind of as a format and so you know they're hyper compressed haikus they had to be super short 575 in the syllables and then to try and get every letter of the alphabet in there 
and then to try and make it actually be a poem that legibly reads as being about this experience of the blockchain or like kind of is was was a good challenge i I had a good time like oh incredible yeah can i read one of them of course if you yeah (laughs) yeah i have it open here i i tried to bid on the um the vibe sarcophagi one that auctioned about a week ago and obviously because these are i guess exponentially time released the next one's in like a year or something but this is number 11 quadratic empire megajoule helix woven block by freezing block isn't that sick that's fucking great yeah yeah i love that yeah it's amazing thanks matt yeah, there are these there are these phrases or little epithets or identifying little terms which come out of those like vibe sarcophagi or quadratic empire, which they resonated yeah. with me a lot in the sense where I was like, these felt like identifications of things which we you know we we saw and observed and it didn't really have words yet. And it made me think more and more about the idea that what I was what I wanted to make next if I was going to do a series of things was that I knew the titles were going to be really really important and therefore I didn't want it to be generative I wanted them to all be titled and I wanted them all to have their own title so because I thought that actually the thing that could be really helpful there and iconic is to elevate those phrases. So there is now a tomb called Quadratic Empire. There is a tomb called Vibe Sarcophagi in the X2 house. There are 19 X2 tombs. Uh, So one for every poem. And so they they do those, that thing where they they elevate the the phrases. Yeah. The the tomb that I won is poem. I won the tomb called You won poem, which is amazing. As a songwriter. which one? Yeah. There's a two, one of the tombs that was for sale the other day was, yeah. is named Poem, and that's the yeah. tomb that I, that's the tomb that that's I That's so sick. Yeah. It's which, wow. which, as for Song A Day, like, it works really well, yeah. It's amazing. I'm <laughs> actually, the thing which has blown me away about the Shadow House is how many people have ended up with tombs that are, like, that are perfect for their, for them, they, they for their, seem to describe their yeah, project. Yeah, like, yeah. what they might do with it. Like, we, we'll talk, we haven't really talked about recovery yet, and I'll, I'll talk about that mecha- so that yeah, your listeners yeah, can yeah. understand like, yes, what, what it sure. is. But basically, recovery is this mechanic we've built for the Tomb series, or we're in the process of building, we're about to roll it out over the next few weeks. And the first NFTs on chain that will receive this mechanic are the tombs of the Shadow House. So Jonathan's tomb will get this mechanic all of the tombs in the tomb series will get this mechanic, but Shadow's the only house that's been released in its entirety, so it's going to be implemented there first. And basically what Recovery does is every NFT in the project, every one of the 177 tombs, gets a parallel proxy recovery contract launched in tandem with it. So Poem, which is tomb... CXXX. What is that? So that's 80, I think. Tomb 80. Poem will have Recovery Contract 80. So Recovery 80 will be aligned with Tomb 80, which is Jonathan's Tomb Poem. And what Recovery's mechanic allows is that that contract interacts with the governance layer of the Tomb Series project where anyone can make a proposal of media they would like to mint on that contract. And that media can be audio, it can be image, it can be video, it can be anything basically that can be minted through, currently through the standard Zora SDK, but we're, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll look carefully in the next few weeks now into the scope mechanics of what kind of media we, we might make it possible for people to mint. But basically, they can make a proposal, and then the members uh, who hold the community token, the index marker, which Matt, you will have one of these because you have a tomb index. Basically, there are 3,000 tomb indexes, and anyone who ordered the book gets claim card for an NFT called an index marker. We didn't tell them that we were going to do this, the people who ordered the book. So we got a community of people who first and foremost were really interested in the project rather than really interested in exploiting the government's yep. token. I love is, that. Which is it's, really yeah. very smart. Yeah. Yeah. So so we we feel like we have like a really solid groundswell of people who they they weren't expecting this like kind of they 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 bought that book because they they just wanted to kind of like inspect the project on a deeper level so so our community stewards hopefully are quite connected to the spirit and ethos of the thing but basically everyone with a marker will is able to vote like a simple uh, like to validate that proposal and jonathan as the tomb owner will get an increased vote share on any proposals that relate to tomb 80 to poem so if somebody says, I want to put a song into Poem, 
the community votes, but Jonathan will basically have a big deciding kind of curatorial role on what those things are. So if he says, for example, to his audience, and I, I don't even want to prescribe anything that you might do with poem, but you know, like, okay, I'm like, a, like, here's a theme. I want people to make these, and I, I will, you know, like, I'm going to approve maybe the best one or the best five or the ones that I like the most or whatever, or like, uh, or, you know, or approve all of them. But he will have some kind of curatorial say in that process. And then the media is minted on the recovery contract, and basically, this is, I think, the beauty of this like kind of parallel structure. The tomb, it's permanently connected to the tomb poem because it's published by recovery 80 so it will always be visible as the contents of that tomb's recovery it remains the property of the person who made the proposal they mint the nft so if you make a song and you propose it for jonathan's tomb jonathan can kind of curate it into his collection but you still own it you haven't given Jonathan the rights to your song or given him the right to mint your song. So the creator who made the media has a chance to both have it elevated to visibility for a community. They retain the equity and the rights to the content, but it also forms a way of building connections between other people who make that work. It can form a body of work over time, even as as anyone who's like familiar with, I guess, the way that like the secondary layer you can immediately add to any Web2 content is Web3 content, sorry. It's like, this can be a backend database for anything that you wanted. You could launch a record label off a recovery project. You could have, this could just be the backend for a website or a content platform where this is how the content's populated. But everyone who made the content is is still recognizes owner still holds oh that's the so fun it. yeah i could see like a magazine being published with articles submitted and whatnot very very cool wow we so, so in in song in so, well in song Adao, we we have this project and i tweeted about this but like in song Adao, we have this project called thing a day where people make something every day for 30 days and at the end of 30 days we give them an, a song a day nft which allows them to join the dao so it's a way for people to join the dao without ever having to spend money what they spend is their energy and time to make something every day for 30 days and then we give them song a day and just like you were saying they're aligned at that point they can come in the dao and it'll be great and we've been doing this since february and we do about like like 3 or 4 people a month and We've been talking a lot about like, oh, we have all this great stuff that people are making. Every People are making all this stuff every month. And we're like, do we make a website? Like, wh what do we do with all this stuff? We don't know what to do with it. And then as soon as I saw, uh, I think, the Mirror article about this, oh, well, shit, that's what we do with it. We get a tomb and it's, I'm thinking, I'm like, it's, a, it's an empty NFT that we fill up, you know, with all of the stuff that we as a DAO are creating and everybody creates in their process. And I'm thinking like one, you know, everyone who does this, they'll choose one piece from the month that they've made to submit and we'll put that in and that will be, that will be the tomb. That will be the poem tomb. Will be everybody's thing a day one thing from each person's project yeah oh that's uh, it's it's I, i'm <laughs> just over the moon even hearing it like like the thing that just is is so exhilarating right now is that everyone who who comes to me with a recovery idea everyone's recovery idea is so different so particular to them and their community and their passions and yet all it requires is is this is like a really simple mechanic to enable it. These are the kind of things which I feel if we're able to build these, and the goal just to say for your audience is we're building recovery and we're going to integrate it into tomb series and it will be integrated into all the tombs. But part of the way that we wanted to do this and part of the reason that we wanted to do this was to also offer it as an open source public toolkit protocol where you can also just put this onto other projects or, or even you know project that you've got that already exists etc because i feel like this is something which is fundamental to how culture works to when you have both a community of creators and some someone who's who's got a curatorial relationship to that community that's a mutually rewarding dynamic that's like a virtuous circle right you want to show that work and elevate it because you you just you're excited and passionate about it and the people who made that work are then given a medium to find an audience because of you know that that relationship but the way that web3 was what it currently exists is emerging 
doesn't reward that relationship. It incentivizes the people who made the content to have to start their own project and get their own audience in order to add value to it because there's no way in somebody else's project you could have such an open source way of forking the content that's already there to elevate other content. And so recovery is this thing where I'm like, really, it's, it, Matt, your first response is perfect. Like this is, this is essentially the fundamental substructure of how in the 20th century magazines worked, TV mm-hmm. channels worked, yes. you know, like kind of record labels worked, even like a, a musician and their albums worked. Like this is essentially a model where it's like, it's nested publishing. Every layer can non-destructively add content on top of it. But um, just a really simple thing to introduce to the Web3 space would be a set of core mechanics which allow us to build projects that way. And um, I feel like the big strength that we have with Tomb Series and doing it in there is that it's not that easy an abstract idea to kind of get your head around. Not everyone who buys a record in a store has a, a kind of mechanical model of the, the publishing process that that moved through in order to like kind of become a, a unit of culture. But I think pretty much everyone has an understanding of what a disc is or a, um, like a storage medium and the idea that like here's a thing that could contain anything else (laughs) right like here's and it doesn't have to look like it and it doesn't have to be related to what it is it's just like you can put stuff on the thing and and because the core property of the tomb series are these tombs these these phantom cryptic on-chain hard drives it's very easy for anyone to approach it and feel exactly like you did jonathan oh i can do my thing on there oh i can do I can turn that into my thing because it's really obvious that like what I'm not giving you with the tomb is like, here, I made the cover art for your project. Like the brain is able to interpret that as just the container for a project. The project can be what you make of it. So I think we're able to to introduce the mechanic in a way, hopefully as well, which I hope doesn't fall prey to the like board ape nouns issue that I was saying before, where like everyone will feel like the stuff they've got to make for recovery is like, tombs fan art you know stuff that looks like tombs or like it has a toomy vibe right Um, right that that is such a distinction right and i would say the other distinction is is this focus on and i don't want to i don't want to denounce this entirely and i've heard you say something similar which is like the focus on the floor price or the or the money side of it where even in nouns, it's like like you were saying, it's like you have nouns which are canonical and they are they are the valuable thing. The, the thing that is valuable in nouns is the noun and everything else drives value back to the noun. Where here, it's focused on just whatever you put into it. That's where the value is, is in the art that, that we all create together that the different people are creating. It's not in the tomb itself. It's in like what we're going to put in the tomb. I hope it becomes again like this virtuous cycle where people who are able to use the tomb as a platform to meaningfully elevate other people's work and other creators or to add visible value to existing bodies of work, that that is the thing which might make somebody more interested in a particular tomb or or feel that tomb is valuable because it's culturally valuable because it actually has like manifest utility and and also like has created a chain of of meaning that other people can recognize so yeah that's that's something which rather than me having to like kind of pump the floor price or, or like <laughs> you said like it's, it's this it's this this horrible like again i i, I want to say this like with like I, I think Nouns is an incredible project that's done remarkable things. Yeah. I, like uh, the last thing I want to do is like sound like I'm smack talking Nouns, but like <laughs> a really really obvious like things. They 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 have an unbelievable community and treasury. They are able to do things that like other projects couldn't even dream of. Like in part not just governance on chain, but like huge actions with real world consequences. If if they wanted to, you know, Nouns could and probably will do some remarkable things in the world. But the, the obvious thing that like, let's say someone was like, there are two, two like kind of straightforward issues here and I'll make them very, very brief. But the, the thing is with a geographically disparate community, with a totally decentralized community like Nouns or like any on-chain project, you also have this problem of like, if they did want to make a real world intervention, like, okay, we're going to fix the New York subway 
if they take that to governance, there'll be a lot of members who are like, I live in fucking Bogota. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. give half the treasury to fixing the, even though fixing the submarine is a massive public good, right? That's like a huge yeah. utility. And then the second is like, if they did fix the subway, the community would be like, well, you're going to have to put a pair of sunglasses on the subway cars now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, because otherwise, like, what's the point of nouns doing this if we, <laughs> yeah. if it doesn't add value to nouns? And then so right. it's like, okay, we are not going to be a mega treasury project. Tombs is not going to be this thing. Yeah. What Tombs hopes, what I hope Tombs series can be is, is both the proof of concept for how culture might work on chain, but also a series of subcultures, 177 universes that are totally yeah. rich, fertile at the, at the discretion of their creators, community audience. And that by creating this collective structure and hopefully that structure seeming like it has value, we are protecting those. Sub we are, we are, we are, basically providing community tools and elevating the audience for that body of work. So even if you're a musician with 10 fans and you're putting stuff in a tomb, by it being alongside other tombs that are part of an interesting project, you might actually get an audience for that work. Like right. that's, that's, that's one way to do it. And the other thing to say, of course, is like, we don't want to see a monoculture and chain. So my hope is that Tombs is just one of potentially thousands of projects that come in the, in the, in the coming years where people start to build these kind of distributed cultural organisms, these decentralized platforms that actually give enough room and enough space for everyone out there. It's interesting. Like I was just thinking if, if nouns is, is the, is the roadmap for, for mass culture, in web three then this tomb idea is a roadmap for su for subcultures for for more niche cult for like for yeah for niche culture yeah i'd say i'd say like like it's and because of that it is not going to be the dominant niche culture it's not going to be like like the the idea is here's a way of thinking about how projects on chains can work that don't have to aspire to be a monoculture, a, me a mega culture. I right. think mega culture is how I would describe it. Yes, because like, I love the I love the JS Horn phrase hyperstructures. Yeah, and the idea of the hyperstructure. And I, I think I would I would contrast the idea of the mega culture, something which wins the more it becomes a dominant property. Yeah. Yeah. To like to a hyperstructure, which is every end user feels like they are getting the maximum utility yeah. and creative expression of what the platform That's provides. It. That's the difference. Yeah. Monoculture so, versus hyperstructure. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I know I'm getting very technical. I should I should flag and I should warn. I think I've probably got around like just ten under minutes, ten minutes, minutes left. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. That's totally fine. Just like uh, uh, from a from a sort of logistical and technical point of view, you said we're using Zora's SDK, so it's 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 just using sort of Zora on Zora's like basic minting functions on the background on the background, or we like are, when we're minting on recovery, what what yeah. is that going to look like? So we we're know, in the process of like kind of building that now. Our our lead devs are Luke Miles, Worm Emoji, who's, who's unbelievable, wonderful brilliant creative human being who has been the most incredible partner in this project since the beginning in terms of like thinking about how we can actually implement some of these ideas as structure yeah. uh, we have James Geary who's the, the lead engineer at Zora Engineering and will help us basically fork the Zora SDK into its recovery form so nice. we may be able to add functions and um, media that uh, or media capabilities that uh, that aren't standard on the SDK one of the things which we want to implement a bit of alpha I guess but like um, is we're speaking we'd like to talk to uh, Steve Kleberhoff at party DAO to talk about the idea of making media minted on the contract the option that you can fractionalize it from mint so you could propose something from multiple creators and that you if it goes into recovery but four people made it together that just from the start that's actually just like kind of that split recognized straight off the bat so because we believe it's absolutely probable that people will do things like a musician might make a music video with a director or something yep, or yep. someone might write a text and commission illustrations and it's just like well 
if we're really going to enable creators, we have to recognize them too. So uh, we're going to we kind of want to include that as this default option. We have Sharu's Sharkat, who's the, the kind of front end dev, but he's also a brilliant back end engineer. We're, we're really spoiled on on Zoom series where there's incredible people who have come together. And then recovery has also been explored and prototyped in in these in these last stages by kind of the recovery team and recovery DAO, which also includes Eric, who who's a, 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 a one of the, yeah. the, the most eminent graphic designers and, and thinkers and makers out there today, Archie Hicklin, who is just an absolute star and a genius, and Gilbert again, kind of Web three cultural theorist. Who I would say your audience should check out Gilbert. Absolutely incredible mind and brilliant, just 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 brilliant. Like both critic, analyzer, uh, commentator, explainer of of how the cultural layer of web3 space works and how that relates to the past and they they've proposed they were kind of they called it anticipatory plagiarism but they even before we told anybody what recovery was gilbert wrote a mirror article about like three weeks after we published the description of the tomb series and said we were bringing the book out where where Gilbert essentially described the, making a recovery from the Tomb of Orion just, just as, a, as like a fictional story. Uh, and he made, made works which, yeah. he, which he claimed were like on the tomb. And we were just like, Gilbert, like this is insane. Like we haven't even told anyone publicly about like, like can you stop like kind of psychically, like Nostradamusly spoilering our project? <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. So when we started building it, we reached out to Gilbert and we were like, okay, like we're very interested in what you think of this because you've kind of already done it so as far as the functions the thing I will say to anyone who's listening who's interested John obviously you're in the discord Matt I I would imagine you you probably are too if you have a marker but maybe not we are hoping in the next like kind of 10 days really to publish in the discord to the community the technical outline and scope of the recovery process with the kind of points earmarked on it for community discussion where potentially we might vote as a community on things like how powerful should the owner share be how many pieces of media can you mint what media types do you think it's essentially included in the initial release things like that and so we're going to try and open some of these conversations up to the community to get a like a a a sense test of which features and functions are they're most keen to adopt and then we want to roll out a beta uh, where we will like kind of do some tests and then roll it out inside Shadow in the Zoom series. Then we'd like to maybe over the coming weeks after that offer some of these tools and tests to people who are doing other projects to see what, what features they might need. And then finally, the goal is to publish the public protocol, the open source, just kind of set of tools in partnership with Zora, but basically yeah. just anyone who's listening, who's making a web project and they're like, well, I'd kind of like to do that. But also they're like, I kind of like to, but I kind of like to tweak it and do this, yeah. or yeah. like, like yeah. I kind of like to make it about that. Please feel free to reach out. If you want to join the, the discord in the community as well, like in the conversation, it's tombseries.gg, uh, sorry, discord.gg forward slash tombseries is the discord. And you can follow tombseries on Twitter. Sorry for the plug, but uh, you know, that's, no, no, no. Uh, that's perfect timing free. to do the plug. Yeah, like, uh, please feel free to both reach out and also kind of these conversations are now rolling. Jonathan, like, as I kind of can see, like, kind of people are now starting to, now they have their tombs, people are starting to, like, oh, okay, but I might do this for recovery, I might do that. But um, jump in. It's It's really beautiful to say that, like, this is absolutely something which... I love approaching this as part of the community itself. I feel like I'm just one of many people who who wants to see this thing built. This isn't us rolling out like some product that, that we're like gonna try and dominate the Web3 space with or, or, or take an economic stake in. Um, I think that one thing that, I'm, that I loved about the way the communities respond to the project is we announced that all of the proceeds from the shadow auction would be used to seed recovery DAO, which is now building recovery. So John, you buying a shadow tomb helps get this thing built. It's amazing that like, I'm so grateful to every owner in the project because they have also been a part of helping get this platform to that stage. It's, it, it feels again, like the way that equity should flow in, in, in these projects where it's not just about like, okay, now I'm going to hold this, hope the floor goes up and then I can flip. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, it's super amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really super excited to get started with it. Matt, do you have anything else before we wrap up? No, I just, uh, really enjoyed learning about the, uh, the tomb series. I think a lot of it was 
like I didn't have a holistic understanding of the tomb series and the sort of artistic background and then how it connected to recovery. But now I do. And that feels really powerful. And it's also was really fun to hold the index and look through the tombs <laughs> while learning about it. I have to say that was a that was a great experience. So thank you for what coming a, on. What a nice Thanks, surprise. I, I will say this one last plug, actually, because it's I guess yeah, plug it's, it. it's important. Like there's yeah. a if people are interested in, in participating in that mechanism, if you order a tomb index, you get the index marker. So that will give you like kind of governance level access to the project. And hopefully, I understand obviously that means you have to like, Jonathan, you were able to engineer a mechanic where people didn't have to pay anything to join uh, the DAO, which is amazing. Hopefully though, like um, maybe Matt can vouch for it. Like we, like I think the, the book is a really, um, we've, there are a few like kind of, you know, like even like, this literal like kind of the print process the book is printed in is, is unique to the book like we one nice thing about being a design studio or someone with a design background is like we're able to kind of I think try and deliver something that feels as sophisticated on the physical side as the elements that we're trying to build on chain in, in the web3 space and a big important part of this project was to really make it clear to the audience that we weren't privileging either of them we think the future of culture are systems that can support both sides that can support physical communities and physical work as well as making a better life for all of us in Web3 and online and amongst digital communities too. Matt, can you leave us with a pun? <laughs> oh, goodness. I forgot that was how yeah. we were closing no, episodes I'm, out. I'm going to challenge your pun your pun abilities right oh, here. Oh, God, we're on overdrive. My, yeah. my ears are smoking. Smoke is pouring from my ears. This yeah, my favorite, gonna, oh, yeah, my favorite tomb was the, um, the Sia tomb. Did you see that one, David? The Sia tomb? Yeah, see everyone later, or see you later. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that was terrible. That wasn't even good.